Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe, and on today's episode, we're going to be going over the reasons to visit Space 220, and also the reasons not to visit Space 220. Yeah, we're really decisive on this episode. <laughs> There's good points on each side to, to run out and go there the next time on your trip, or... Hey, skip it all together. So we're going to go yeah. over those. Yeah, reasons. we just give you some things to consider. All right. But there's one thing I want to cover before we, we go any further. And this is a recent poll I threw out on our YouTube channel. And I asked, what is your favorite Walt Disney World theme park? And in a landslide, Hollywood Studios won with 57% of the vote, which I find absolutely insane. Baffling. Absolutely baffling. I mean, the other day I was thinking about the parks and I was thinking about Hollywood Studios. And I'm like, you know, it's sneakily a really good park. Like, I don't necessarily think of it as one of my favorites. And then you showed me that you did this poll. And I was comp- just the fact that it was such a runaway s- winner. I mean, yeah, Magic have- Kingdom got 21%, uh, Epcot 15, Animal Kingdom 8. Absolutely insane. I do not know uh, what our viewers over on YouTube are thinking. Hollywood Studios is great, but it is not the best park in Walt Disney World by a landslide yeah i agree um but i mean if you do think about it toy story land galaxy's edge and mickey and minnie's runaway rail plus i like the shops probably with like of all the park shop like shops in park i like the ones in hollywood studios probably the best and they have a pretty good um quick serve ref- restaurant so all in all i think it's a solid park but i don't think i could say it was my favorite Y'all crazy. All right, let's get into <laughs> Disney news of the week. So we have some news on the National Treasure Show that is coming to Disney+. Plus. So Justin Bartha will be returning uh, as a, in a guest role. He'll be reprising his role as Riley Poole uh, from the movie. So this the series has been portrayed as an extension of the movies. And so this is kind of the first connection we have to the original movie series. So it's exciting that they'll have some connective tissue. I'm really excited about this. I like the National Treasure movie. So I'm really excited to see what they do uh, with a Disney Plus show, a little bit longer form content here to really kind of flesh out that world and you know do some more treasure hunting. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I would love to see Nick Cage, you know, come away from his career of playing himself in movies and actually reprise his role. You know, I I think this is this is an interesting show. I don't know how well it's going to work, but hey, they they have plenty of time to prove me wrong. I think it's going to work great. And I think there's room for Nicolas Cage to come in, especially if it gets multiple seasons. You know, maybe season one, he's not in it. You have, you know, Justin Bartha coming in. I think there's definitely room for some other characters uh, down the road. So be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm really excited for this. I think that he's also one of those actors that uh, people poke fun of because he sometimes, you know, spent overspends and then needs some money. Nicholas Cage, you mean? Yeah. So I think that, you know, if Disney throws enough money in his way, he'll definitely come back. There was always talk of National Treasure 3, so I think there's, there's definitely a shot at this. So, all right, moving over to the theme park. So at Disneyland, they announced that Tarzan's Treehouse is going to be getting rethemed. So it's been closed since September. Uh, Disney announced that uh, the Tarzan theming will not be coming back. It's going to be getting a complete retheme. So I'm speculating here that it's going to be Encanto. Uh, they have not announced what theme it will actually be, um, but I definitely think they want to bring Encanto into the parks and doing Antonio's uh, kind of room because he has a giant tree in his room, I think would be a perfect overlay for the treehouse. Yeah, I think that this would be really cool um, if it if it is Encanto themed. So I would love to see yeah Antonio's treehouse. You know, get some animals in there. I think that it would be really awesome. My only frustration is Tarzan is, in my opinion, one of the most solid movies that they have. I think it's such a great movie and. 
this is just a way for them to get it out of the parks. Um, that's really the only presence that Tarzan has that I can think of, really. So now it's completely gutted out of all parks. Yeah, and I think the problem is they don't own the rights to Tarzan like they do right. all of their original movies. When we talked to Kevin Lima, he talked about this, that Disney... They kind of had the rights to do the movie, but they really don't have full access to the rights. So that's why you don't really see Tarzan characters in the parks a lot. You don't see a lot of attractions with Tarzan in there. Because other people have made Tarzan movies as well. Um, so yeah, it, maybe that has something to do with why Tarzan's leaving. But I would not be surprised if we see an Encanto retheme here. Yeah, that would be really cool. All right, then heading over to Walt Disney World. Disney announced that they are offering something called Cinderella Castle Mural of Memories. And this is dealing with like the augmented reality in the app. And so for $9.99, you can choose your spot on Cinderella Castle and digitally pin one of your PhotoPass photos there. And you also get a special video and animation of your photo flying around the castle and everything. And your photo will stay there for three years. And so whenever you come back, you can see your photo, other park guest photos. So it's this kind of digital mural of park guest photos, kind of applying it to Cinderella Castle for everybody to see. To me, it seems like a way just to charge you 10 bucks to get your photo uh, on this mural because, I mean, again, what, like, do I care that other guests can see my photo? I mean, not really, but no. I mean, it's a cool use of augmented reality, but it does just seem kind of strange that it's like, hey, for $10, you can put your photo on the castle and it will live there for three years so other people can see it or you can come back and kind of look at it again. Seems strange, but it's it's out there now. I mean, again, as I, I feel very much like an old person, like, get off my lawn, Disney, or something. But I do think that, I don't know, I just don't understand this. But again, I'm also the new, like notoriously the person who told my parents that I don't 250 text messages a month is more than enough. I'll never use text messaging. So I can't really talk about that. But I do think I yeah nine ninety nine not a very high price but not worth it either. I think it's priced just at the right level where it's under that ten dollar kind of psychological threshold that it's cheap enough that people will try it once and be like oh yeah it's not that expensive it's ten bucks I'm at Disney I'm gonna try this see what it does have my picture as part of this mural and then they might go ah that wasn't that great I'm never gonna do it again but it doesn't matter. Because Disney already got your ten dollars, so I think right. it's it's cheap enough. Like if this was twenty five, fifty dollars, I don't think a lot of people would do it. But it's cheap enough that's like, oh yeah, I'll try it. I'll give it a shot. You know, the the Disney Parks blog released this video of it because it is you know when you read the press release and even kind of explaining it, it's hard to like comprehend what this even means. It's an <laughs> augmented reality. Your photo is going to be flying around the castle. All this sort of stuff. Um, so you can go to the Disney Parks blog and check out a video of it. It kind of explains a little bit better seeing it, what it's actually going to do. But I don't even think seeing that video really sells it that much to me, you know, even with that. So I think from seeing the video, kind of hearing what it does, I don't really see this as something that interests me in having my photo pinned on there. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that do this and maybe there'll be some additional features, you know, down the road. I could see this being an interesting thing that they do as a pre, like castle show. Like you could put people's pictures on the castle. Well, they used that to. Was... They used to do that. Yeah, they they used to do that with you know the projection mapping. You could, I don't know if you tweeted them or you submitted them, and they would kind of curate 
photos from the cast members or the guests and they would kind of project them on the castle ahead of time. So it is like that digitally. And again, your photo lives there for three years, but it's really only works if other people look at it too. I, I don't know. It just seems, it seems really odd. It'll be interesting to see once this is kind of in place, people actually start using it, kind of what the feedback is. Again, 10 bucks. I think a lot of people will, will definitely just try it at least once. Yeah. And one last thing. I don't want a reason to be on my phone more when I'm in the parks. I want to enjoy the atmosphere. But again, that's the old person in me being like, I don't want to be on my phone. I want to enjoy the world around me. You know, it, it is a good point, uh, not to get too sidetracked here, but it is a good point that you have to be on your phone to get your lightning lane reservations, you know, to get Genie Plus to kind of plan out your day. They have the Disney Parks Play app. So when you're in line, the more people use that, the less incentive they have to theme the parks and put money in theming. Because right. if you are in a queue and a lot of people are playing on their phones or they're checking things, they're not going to care what's around the queue. They're not going to care as much what the land looks like. So I'm kind of with you. There is some concern that the more you're on your phones, the less incentive they have to keep the parks themed. I mean, we haven't seen that. They're still theming things well. But right. you know, in 50 years when everybody's wearing, you know, Google glasses or Apple glasses that have augmented reality in it, and they can just digitally create these landscapes. They don't need to make these, you know, physical sets and theming anymore. And hopefully it doesn't go that way, but you could potentially see that happening. Right. All right. Last thing for the news of this week, the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind set list has been revealed. So there's going to be six songs they announced that the Imagineers tested over a hundred different songs on this attraction. That's pretty and thorough. It is. And they rode the ride while the songs played. So somebody got to ride it a hundred times. Sounds like an excuse to ride the ride. I know. They kinda they like kind of joked about that, that like, yes, yeah, somebody had to do this. But they tested over a hundred songs and they came up uh, with with the set list of the final six. And it's gonna work very much like Mission Breakout, where each ride, you're going to have a different song, and you're not going to know what song you have until it starts, which adds to the rewritability, and I think is one of the best features of Mission Breakout. Yeah. Is the different songs and kind of the different vibe you get. But I will say, Mi Mission Breakout, they're all bangers. I don't think there's any one of these songs that I'm not like super familiar with, whereas with some of these songs, there are some real bangers, and then there are some that are kind of like, mm, I'm not very familiar with that song. Or maybe it was in the background of a commercial, but I'm not too familiar with it or care for it that much yeah so the six songs are september disco inferno conga everybody wants to rule the world iran and one way or another uh so definitely different vibes across the six songs i think you have to kind of wait and see to actually ride the attraction to get like the feel for how they play. Cause you're right. You know, some of them. Yeah. Like one way or another, like, everyone knows yeah. that song. So like that one is going to be super popular. I think that one would be, you know, the optimum one to get it. Conga is a really great song too. And then there's a couple of the other ones, you know, that people really know, but then some of these, yeah, again, you know, I ran, I didn't, I don't know that one very well. Um, no, I think they're all played popular. Them all for yeah, me. I mean, yeah, I think they're all popular. I've heard all of these songs yeah, before, I have too. but they definitely have a different feel to them. So, like Conga is very upbeat. Yes, you know, versus something like Everybody Wants to Rule the World isn't necessarily as high tempo. Or Iran, in certain parts, isn't necessarily as high tempo. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what sections of the song they pull and how it kind of plays in uh, to the ride. We also learned that the main antagonist of the ride is going to be a celestial. Uh, Esan, he's going to be the main antagonist. He's the one kind of coming uh, for Earth, coming to try to destroy Earth, or you know, 
involving in the the time loops that that's happening. So that will be interesting because it's not necessarily something uh, tied into an existing uh, movie necessarily, um, but it ties into the Celestials, which is. Uh, you know, which are characters that have been in the MCU before. So I'm excited for this to open. I'm excited to ride it. Again, I think with the different songs, it's going to give a different ride experience each time. Um, so overall, definitely looking forward to this and definitely looking forward, you know, once it opens, seeing kind of the initial feedbacks and kind of what the sets look like inside uh, and everything like that. Yeah, it's gonna be a while before we can ride it. We don't have a trip planned for a while, but that's never stopped us before. <laughs> maybe we'll have to make a special trip but yeah i'm interested to see how this all turns out yeah i'm also interested to see how many people just keep rewriting it to try to get all the songs yeah like that's gonna i think add to the lines too because people are just gonna want oh, i gotta write it again i gotta write it again you know to kind of get all the songs and see what's going on so but yeah definitely definitely looking forward to that one okay so for our main topic this week we're gonna be discussing five reasons not to visit space 220 <laughs> and five reasons why it may be worth visiting space 220 so let's start with the reasons not to visit space 220 so the first one is price now we know everything in Disney World is expensive um, but space 220 is at probably the top tier of that, especially for the food you get. So if you go for lunch, it's $55 per person. If you go for dinner, it is $79 per person. Now they do have a lounge. When we went, we were able to get the lounge menu. Mm -hmm. So you could uh, buy things a la carte, which made it a little bit less expensive. But I know that's difficult to get into the lounge, and I'm not even sure if they're doing that uh, as much as they were. So you're basically at $55 uh, for lunch or $75 for dinner. And, and again, for the amount of food you're getting, they're kind of pricing it like it's a character uh, meal when there's no character. So overall, it's a very uh, expensive meal, you know, to get a you know hamburger and fries or you know something like that uh, for lunch or dinner. Building off of that, you know, the menu might not really be your thing. There are only like nine options for lunch and seven options for dinner. And so for you paying that much money, if you're not really into the idea of eating Florida Red Snapper or like there's or a lot duck. of they have yeah, duck, they have duck. Yeah. they have a lot of things that are kind of really fancy sounding. So if you just want to go for chicken fingers or something like that, I mean, go to a quick service and pay a lot less. These are kind of fancy or sounding meals, but I don't know. They might, it just, the menu might not be something that you're super excited about. It's limited options for the price. And it's like you said, it's maybe not as wide a palette options for people. They have some very specific things that are kind of a very specific palette. So uh, if you don't have a specific palette like that, it limits your options uh, even more for the price you're getting. All right, so the next reason why you wouldn't want to visit Space 220 is because you don't care about space. <laughs> Just flat out. If you don't really care about the theme of what they're going for, that you're in you know, 220 miles uh, above the Earth, you're not going to care. Again, you're paying basically for nothing. You're, you know, you're paying extra for something that you really don't care about. Yeah, and I think that what's kind of the problem or what my problem was with going is I thought the most interesting part of going to eat there was the elevator ride I wasn't actually sitting there in front of quote-unquote space and looking out and seeing everything in front of you because there wasn't a whole lot really going on outside I mean you could see earth from far away as if you were in space but I, I still thought it was pretty I mean it was cool how there was some depth to those screens so it did kind of pop out but I still thought 
it was cool that they had things going by, but I thought there could be more or more like interesting little Easter eggs or nods or something just to keep it a little more entertaining. Because after the novelty wore off after a few minutes, it was kind of like, okay, now we're just in a normal restaurant. It's kind of dark in here. So it wasn't that appealing. So another reason why you might not want to go there is there's nothing specifically Disney about it. There's no characters. The only thing that is really evident that it is Disney is the amount of immersion that there is. I mean, the the, the wait staff there was very good as far as just kind of helping you feel like you're actually in space and kind of playing along with that. But other than that, there was nothing about it that was like, hey, look, it's Mickey or, or Minnie. Yeah, if, if you're there for pure Disney, pure characters, like if you want to see the princesses, if you want to see Mickey and Minnie, yeah. there's none of that there. It's not like you have Mickey uh, floating through space out there with you. Or even that there's like a Mickey-themed drink. Like I think that – because, again, they tried to kind of keep it different and make it sort of realistic. So that kind of is very – it's very off of the park idea. Definitely. And then the last reason not to visit Space 220 is because you cannot get in. So (laughs) is if you can't get a reservation, um, which, you know, this is a restaurant that is, you know, in high demand. So it can be very difficult to get a reservation. And maybe you don't want to wait for the walk up to get into the lounge because depending on the time of day, that could get uh, a very long wait as well. So if you can't get a reservation, that's a good reason not to visit it. And I think what we're kind of saying is it's you're probably not missing a ton um, for it, but let's get into some positives. So let's get into some reasons why you would want to visit Space 220 because, you know, at the end of the day, it is a solid restaurant. I think it's worth going to at least once. Um, I don't think, yeah, you necessarily need to fret if you can't get a reservation or you can't get in, but I think it's worth going to at least one time. And so the first reason it's worth going to is just the technology. So you mentioned what's Disney about it is the immersion, is, mm-hmm. is the theming of it. And this is a very unique restaurant in that it is themed uh, to space that you're in uh, a satellite above Earth. And kind of just the tech of it all is worth seeing. So you actually take an actual elevator to make it seem like you're leaving Earth and going 220 miles above Earth. And it's a pretty fantastic tech to be a part of that. And then just the whole uh, windows, like you mentioned, where they seem like windows, but they're screens. They have a lot of depth to them. If you've seen pictures of them, photos really don't do it justice. It looks a lot different and it looks a lot better in person. I will say, and maybe this is kind of one of the reasons not to go to, of if you sit right up against the yeah. windows and you're in the corner, you really don't have much to see. Uh-huh. But it's worth, you know, at least, you know, walking in there and seeing it just to kind of experience that because it's the same tech they use on the Star Cruiser. And that is going to cost you $6,000. So this mm-hmm. is definitely a much cheaper way to see that technology. Um, so that, for me, that's kind of the number one reason why you would want to go eat at Space 220. Okay. This next one I feel very passionate about because I kept joking with our waitress about it. But the silverware there is fantastic the weight behind the silverware how balanced they are like i kind of felt like captain jack sparrow when he's talking about how greatly how wonderfully constructed will turner's swords are that's how i felt like whenever i was holding their silverware it was just just beautifully made i wanted a set for my own like for our house um so i think that the silverware is worth seeing yeah i definitely think it's silverware that ariel would enjoy yeah for sure (laughs) 
So. Very nice hairbrushes. It is, definitely. So all right, the next reason to go is just the Instagram-worthy drinks of it. And I think this is probably one of the reasons why people do want to go because, again, you know, Disney knows if they make something that catches fire on Instagram or social media, it's going to drive people to go there. Right. And the drinks are no exception. With this, they, they made kind of otherworldly drinks. So they use kind of smoke, dry ice, very vibrant colors, uh, very vibrant palette. So it really does pop on Instagram. It so reminds it, you of Oga's a little bit. It does, yeah. So if you're somebody that you know does enjoy you know the, the drinks Disney has to offer and you enjoy kind of getting that good Instagram photo, it's definitely worth going uh, to order one of the drinks like the Nebula or the Big Tang, the Planetary Punch, something like that. Uh, it's kind of worth it. I already mentioned this, but I think that one of the biggest reasons to visit is the cast members are very committed to making sure that you're in space. So it just feels very legitimate. And you can, I, I always enjoy, you know, my, the thing I like most about Disney and Disney parks is just the interactions you have with other humans and the roles that they play. Everybody in, a, in the cast is basically playing a role. Even if they're just, you know, somebody in line as a ticket taker, they're still playing a role. They still have to put forth this everything's great in the world kind of perception to all of the guests so that they have a good time. And so the, the cast members are really talented at doing this and making you feel committed to the idea. Our waitress was really good at doing this. I remember the man that we rode down the elevator with, we were the only ones on there and he was kind of playing around with us and having a good time. They have some really talented people working there. And so I think that that makes it worthwhile as well. Yeah, and the last reason is you've already eaten everywhere else in Epcot. So, <laughs> so again, if, if you've been at Epcot a lot, you're somebody that goes a lot, you've tried all the food booths, you've tried all the top restaurants uh, in Epcot, and you want to try something new, you're ready for something new, definitely uh, it's worth heading over to Space 220. But like we said, I wouldn't put it at the top of the list. I think there's a lot of other great options at Epcot between the food booths, between places like... La Cellier or Via Napoli or even the Creperie uh, in Paris now. I would probably recommend Creperie. I would probably recommend <laughs> trying some of those restaurants first before Space 220. Unless again you're somebody that like is super committed to space, then maybe you do want to try it. But if you can't get a reservation, I wouldn't worry about it too much and I'd try some of the other amazing options that Epcot has to offer. Exactly. All right. So that wraps up our show. We would love to hear if any of our listeners have been to Space 220, what they thought of the experience. Is it a place that you're going to go to every time you visit now? Or are you kind of a one and done? We'd love to hear uh, what your thoughts are on Space 220. Head over to our Facebook page. We're Enchanted Ears over there. Or head over to our website uh, and send us a note or ask a question on EnchantedEars.com slash podcast question. But that w wraps up this week's show. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so already, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend. Uh, it really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.